So we're going to go ahead and jump into our, our Courage series again this week. Um, I'm kind of excited about this week because it kind of fits uh, in a lot of ways, um, kind of what's going on. I wish I could say that I had planned all this out and I'm just brilliant. Uh, it just not, it's not how it happened. It just kind of happened. You know, I'm kind of one of the guys that kind of falls into the hole and then goes, oh, look at that. Isn't that wonderful? I fell into a hole. It works perfectly. Um, so I don't want to act like I kind of put this together, but it is, of course, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, it's at a very exciting time for certain people. We will leave those people unnamed at this particular moment, but uh, it is a very exciting Sunday for a lot of people getting ready to enjoy the Super Bowl and all those sort of things. And this morning we're going to talk a little bit about um, some differences that I'm seeing in, in the church and in our lives and when it comes to this idea of, of well, I'll just talk about it in just a second. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, you're so good. And God, we thank you for this time, for this opportunity to come together. God, I pray that you would just speak through me, that God, that you would help me to communicate the things that you desire to, for me to communicate. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, this afternoon actually, about 4.30 or so, I believe our time, uh, there is going to be a big game that is going to be taking place. There are going to be people that are going to be gathering together. Now, some people are going to be gathering because they are a big fan of, of a particular team that's playing. Some people will be gathering to root against one of those teams that is playing. And others will just gather simply because it's fun to gather and eat food. I don't know which of those you fall into. You may be gathering with just some, some family or whatever. But today is Super Bowl Sunday. It's a big Sunday. And, and we have this concept here of, of, of fans that are going to not even be hardly there, but fans that are going to be around their television, watching the game, cheering, being excited, experiencing all these things. And today what we're going to be looking at is I want to ask you a simple question and I want us to look at this openly and honestly together because I think what we're going to find is that, that we're going to think we're one thing and we might not be what we thought we were. Okay, and it's going to start with a simple question. It's going to start with, and it's in your notes as we jump into this and it's simply this, are you a follower or are you a fan of Jesus? Are you a follower or are you a fan of Jesus? Of Jesus because there is a big difference now a lot of us don't understand that and a lot of us unfortunately have the wrong idea of what a follower really is we have a 2021 view of a follower now listen let me explain to you a 2021 view of a follower I do not know social media at all like I know what Instagram is I know what Facebook is I know what Twitter is and I know to stay away from it okay that's how I know it but I do know that the church has an Instagram page you don't not uh, a, if, if you're not a follower please join no anyway i think i'm supposed to say that right but i know that there's a section and and john and, and emil it is they all do such a great job posting all these great things and stuff and anyway there's a section on their page that says follower on it now i know this because i can look at the page and it says follower and has a certain number and I think the problem is, is a lot of us have started to think that being a follower on social media is the same as being a follower of Jesus, but it's not the case. You see, I find that a lot of us, we like the idea of being a social media follower of Jesus. What does that mean? It means quite simply this, that when I'm ready, when I have the time, when things are going well or whatever, I can jump on Jesus' Instagram page. And if he's posted something I like, 
And if he's put something on there that I enjoy, well, I can, I can like that. Do you, do, you, do you like it on Instagram or is that just on Facebook? Whatever, I'm going to combine them because I don't have any clue. Okay? And so we like it. We say, you know, Jesus, I, I like that part of what you believe. There's a lot of people that really, really are fans of Jesus. And really, that's the situation. We've confused follower with fan. And so today, what I want to look at, I want to talk about what the difference is. I want to talk about in our own lives, which we are, and try to understand this concept, because I think, unfortunately, we got a lot of fans of Jesus, but we don't really have a lot of followers of Jesus. Okay? So, Let's look at this. Let's begin this by looking in 1 Corinthians 11. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul makes an interesting statement. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, and this is what it says. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. When you talk about what a follower is, there is something greater than just someone that's just a fan. A follower is somebody who is actually actively trying to become like the person they are following. Other translations of this verse say this word. They say basically, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, what is Paul saying here? Paul is not communicating, hey, I got it all together. Follow me, look at me, and, and I'm going to handle this perfectly. Paul puts a little caveat in there. He basically says, listen, as long as I'm doing things, as long as I am imitating Christ, imitate me. He's showing us an example of what it is to be a follower of Christ. Listen, if you are just a fan of Christ, you're not imitating him. You're not following him to the way that he desires for you to do. I remember as a kid, or maybe even not a kid, I was probably in the youth group at this particular time. And I think I told this story before, and it was petrifying to me. It was a scary, uh, scary story, especially to someone who was, you know, 13, 14 years old, just becoming a teenager and had had it all, you know, of course, at that age, I have everything figured out. I know everything. Mom and dad, as sweet as they are, you know, this kind of shows you where I'm from, okay, you'll understand this comment. With my mom and dad, it was, oh, bless their heart. Bless their heart. But they didn't understand anything. And I remember the moment I'll never forget this moment. It's been ingrained in my noggin. I was in church. We, we had a church, and the youth had a section, and we sat up front, and all the parents sat behind us. We didn't understand that that was so they could keep an eye on us, you know. But at the time, and, and worship was going on, and I used to help with offering, and so for some reason during the worship service, I remembered I, I had to, to go do something or go grab something or whatever. I don't remember what it was. And so I turned around, and I began to walk out of the sanctuary. Well, sitting close to me in that back little section is my mom and dad. And the worship is going on, and all this is going on. And I look over at my dad. And I, these words literally, because I'm, I'm, remember, I'm a teenager, so I know everything. These words come to my mind. Huh. My dad raises his hands to Jesus just like I do. He worships like me. Isn't that wonderful? And I got about halfway further out. And then I realized something. Wait a minute. Dad doesn't worship like me. I worship like dad. That's a petrifying thought to a 13, 14-year-old when you don't want to be like your parents. And I realized something that day. I realized 
that in some ways, in that little microcosm, as my father was following Christ, I was following him. I was imitating him as he was imitating Christ. You see, a follower does that. A follower is someone who is slowly becoming like the individual he is following. A fan is not. A fan can just look and say, well, that's great. That's great for you. That's a great truth for you, but not for me. A fan is different. And I found that in our world today, there are so many people who say, you know, I kind of like some of the ideas of Jesus, but I don't like this one. this this, this is a good one, like I'll post this one, I'll like this one, I'll I'll send it on or whatever you do in social media, but but, you know, Jesus, this one's a little harsh and I don't like this one, so I'm not going to follow this one. I don't have to like this one. The problem is, if we're followers, we're going to imitate not sections of who Jesus is, but who he is. One of the ways that we can, and we're going to look at these throughout the message this morning, these ways that we can kind of begin to understand where we are at in this process. And it's in your notes. Listen, if people imitate you, would they become more like you or more like Jesus? It's a simple question. In my situation, in that moment with my father, it, would, it could very easily say I was becoming more like Jesus not more like my dad, even in that moment? It's a simple question. If people imitated you, who would be on display? You see, because here's the thing. In our world today, in the situations that we find, listen, it's important. It takes courage to follow Jesus instead of the things of this world. It takes courage to follow Jesus. Because here's the thing. You would love to believe that you could just be a fan of everything and it just doesn't work like that. You will follow something. The question is, is who or what are you following? Okay, who or what are you following? So you're going to either follow Jesus or you're going to follow things of the world. And it takes courage, especially in our world today, to follow Jesus. We're going to look at, in, in Matthew, some, 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 a, some couple of stories that really help us kind of bring this story and this idea to light of follower and fan. So we're going to start in Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, 18 and 19... Jesus has just really begun his ministry in a lot of ways. And so this is kind of picking it up where he is just beginning at the first part of it. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. Let's give you a little context here of what's going on. Pretty simple situation. But Jesus is walking along the shore of the sea. And he comes upon these two guys. And they're fishing. They're working. This is their job. Okay, this is not a hobby. Okay, a lot of times we, we go fishing because it's, it's a hobby. These are not recreational fishermen. This is their job. This is how they support themselves and their family. This is probably something that has been passed down uh, from, from their fathers and so on and so forth. So this is a, a, a big deal. and This is kind of what they're doing. So Jesus comes upon them, notices that they're fishing, notices that they're fishermen and says, listen, come and follow me. So let's keep up. Let's go on with the story. Look at Matthew 4. 20 as the story continues after jesus says that he says and they left their nets at once and followed him now there's something interesting here about the story 
in the story we see something interesting because we see them having their nets, they're tending their nets, they're working on their nets, they're using their nets to fish, and then when Jesus calls, they leave the nets and they go on. Why is this important? Why do we need to understand that? Quite simply, the nets are what they use. That was their security. That was their, 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 their ability to provide for themselves and their families. We see uh, in, later on in Scripture, Simon Peter has a wife. He probably has kids. And this is how he's putting food on the table. And this guy, listen, it doesn't say that they've experienced Jesus before. It doesn't say that, oh, they've known about Jesus before. This guy just literally walks up and says, hey, listen, guys, I want to make you fishers of men. Come follow me. And it says, immediately, they leave. Immediately, what they had in their hands, they drop and they follow Jesus. They follow him, which is pretty incredible if you stop to think about it and it's immediate let's continue on with matthew 4 21 this continues our story a little further up the shore he saw jesus he saw two other brothers james and john sitting in a boat with their father zebedee repairing their net so once again we see the nets again and he called them to come too so so now 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 we got a little bit of a caravan going on Jesus is fought. Now we've got Peter and Andrew following. He goes on up and there's James and John. And he basically says, gives them the same thing. Hey, come with me. Come with me. Follow me. Now this is a little interesting because in this story, in this part of it, we see James and John with their dad. Now here's the thing. You've got to understand kind of the time and how this is working. More than likely, it's not hard to think or stretch to know that more than likely this is a family business. This is the business that has been basically brought up by, by, by James and John's dad. They've been trained. They've been groomed. They've been the kind of apprentices in this situation. I'm sure it was if Jesus had not walked by that day, they would have continued on with, with this family business. Listen, this is also important. They got a boat. Scripture specifically mentions they're in a boat. Listen, boats are not cheap. This is a good business, okay? Sometimes we want to think, oh, they're just so poor, and they're just sitting. Probably not. I'm not saying they were wealthy necessarily, but they were probably middle class doing pretty well for themselves. We see in other parts of Scripture where, where basically there's a concept of, of higher hands. I mean, this is not some small little thing. And Jesus shows up, and he says, come follow me. Come follow me. Let's continue on with the story and see how it, it continues on. Matthew 4, 22. Once again, they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Leaving their boat and their father behind. In these stories, in these situations, we're seeing something interesting. We're seeing just this, this unbelievable lack. I mean, almost think about it. This almost unbelievable lack of any type of thought. It doesn't say, and they thought about it and followed. It simply says, they dropped their nets and immediately they followed Jesus. This is amazing. This is, one, listen, this is one of these stories that we've been told, Peter, James, and John in the sailboat and all that. I mean, but, but, you know, I'll make you fishers of men and all those comments. But do we really understand what these men did to follow him? Listen, hear me here. These guys were not fans of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. Big time. When I was in high school, 
one of the things that I, I, I always enjoyed is I had a lot of friends um, that were in the marching band. I was not in the marching band because I did not play an instrument and because I did not understand the point of, of, of making shapes out of people while you play said instruments. But I had lots of friends that were in the marching band. I had a friend that was in the drum line and others that played instruments. And one of the things that we, that we did, now I don't know if they do it here or not, I'm not really sure, I was thinking about this this morning, is we would have, I know you guys have homecoming, but we would have a homecoming parade in our town. Okay? And of course it would be all, this, all the floats and all these cars and, and basically, you know, the, the, the queen of homecoming and kings and they would wave. But you know what they always have is they would have the marching band. Now again, I wasn't in the marching band, but I had friends that were. And so what I would do is I would go to the parade. I don't think, I was thinking about this this week, I don't think I've ever been in a parade. But I would go to this parade and I would wait for the marching band. Why? Because I wanted to wave and say hello to my friends and, and usually try to make them get out of step or do something horrible because I'm a terrible person. Okay? And that was what I would do. And I remember here they come, you know, and they'd have their instruments and they'd always have this funny walk that they would do because it was always in line, you know. I remember even as a kid, not in high school, of course, but when I was a kid, I used to kind of look down like that just because I wanted to see the holes in their legs as they went through, you know what I mean? And so I would watch this parade. And, and as they came by, I'd wave. I'd say, hey, Chris. Hey, Justin. Hey, Todd. Hey, hey what are you? How you doing? You know, and again, I'd try to mess them up, you know. And, and I would wave, and they would go on by. You see, a lot of us, we want to be followers of Jesus. We want to do that. But here's what we really want to do. We want to be like me. We want to stand on the sidelines of the parade, and when Jesus goes by, we want to wave. Hi, Jesus. How you doing? Hey, it's Aaron. Good to see you. Oh, oh, you're in the parade. Me, me in the parade. No, 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 Jesus. I, I'm not. I, I, no, no. I just want to sit here and wave because Jesus. You know, the parade. It's, it's, a, it's. Yo, that's a long walk. You know, and, and you know what, well, I don't really play an instrument really well, Jesus, and so, so let me just sit here and I'll just wave, and as you go by, you know, I'll wave, but you know, I'm here, look at me, I'm here. What Jesus is really calling us to do is join the parade. What Jesus is really saying to us as followers is he wants to come, take us by the hand and say, listen, I didn't create you, I didn't save you, I didn't do all these amazing things so you could sit on the sidelines of the parade and wave as I go by. I want you to join me in the parade. But a lot of times we just don't want to do that. You see, when you look at what James and John and Andrew and Peter did, they didn't sit on the sidelines and go, oh, well, Jesus, didn't that sound nice? Yes, um, maybe, maybe I will come and follow you. But you know what, Jesus, I got this great business. I got this, 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 this great family over here or whatever. And so you know what, I think I'm just going to sit here. But listen, Jesus, hey, hey, anytime you're around here, anytime you're in the Sea of Galilee, buddy, hey, you just let me know and I'll wave at you. I'll tell everybody, hey, I like that guy. He's a good guy. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. I'm not calling you to be a fan. I'm calling you to be a follower. And Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, they, they left everything. And they went after Jesus. Oh, it's a great story, isn't it? We like that story. We sing about it. We teach our kids that story. Fishers and men. But you know, there's another story that doesn't have the same ending, unfortunately. And it's also in Matthew. Matthew 19. In Matthew 19, we see a story that a lot of us have coined, the story of the rich young ruler. It's in Matthew, Mark, 
Luke. Um, it's in the Synoptic Gospels, which is that, that section of, of Gospels. And it's really interesting because pretty much in each one of those Gospels, we learn a little bit more about the guy. We learn that he's, he's rich in one, he's a ruler in another, and he's young, basically, in another. And it's really cool. We kind of put all those things together. But you know what's interesting? We don't know his name. We never know his name. Isn't that interesting? We never know who he really is. We just call him by those things. And so in this story, he comes to Jesus. We're going to pick up the story kind of midway through. And he comes and, and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this is an important question because basically, in a lot of ways, what this guy is doing is he is acknowledging Jesus is from God. He may not be acknowledging Jesus is God quite yet, but this is a big question. So he, he's a fan of Jesus at this moment. Does that make sense? He's a big fan of Jesus because he wouldn't have come to him if he didn't, wasn't a fan. So he comes to him and he says, what do I need to do? And Jesus says, hey, listen, um, you, you need to follow the laws of Moses. You need to do these things. You need to, you know, you know do all the, the stuff, the Ten Commandments, basically. And he goes, oh, that's great. I, I've, I've been doing them since I was a kid. Uh, this is great. Oh, 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 good. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm in good shape. And then Jesus takes it one step further. Look at Matthew 19, 21. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, okay, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven or treasure in heaven. Then, check this out, then come follow me. Did you ever catch that before? What is Jesus offering the rich young ruler? The exact same thing, the exact same words that he gave James and John and Peter and Andrew. Jesus is not inviting this guy to just do anything. He's basically saying, come be one of my disciples. Follow me. Okay? This is big. This is an invitation to be a complete and total follower of Jesus. But let's continue on with the story. Matthew 19, 22. It says, but when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Now listen, this story is not, hear me here so we understand. This story is not a condemnation on stuff. Okay? It's not a condemnation of if you have some money, that that's wrong. This is not about having stuff. This is an understanding about stuff having you. And in this individual's life, he had an idol. And that idol was those possessions. He was possessed by his possessions. And so to be able to follow Jesus in the way that we need to, Jesus said, you're going to have to let those things go. You see, a lot of us want to be fans. They don't want to be followers because we're not willing. And we'll get into this in a little bit of letting go of those things. And so we walk away sad. We walk away sad because really, we're not really followers of Jesus. We're not really understanding that. And he so he walks away sad. Now listen on, listen as we continue on with the story, Matthew 19, 23 and 24, as, 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 as he's walked away. Is it there? There we go. Then Jesus says to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now listen, real quick, okay? I, 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 I even talked to Linda about this as I was uh, this week. 
And I said, Linda, do you know, when, when Jesus talks about this eye of the needle thing, what is that? And she told me exactly what I thought she'd say that I was taught even as a kid, which is, oh, well, you know, in Jerusalem, there's this really small gate, and it's the eye of the needle and all this sort of stuff, and you can walk through. Listen, I, I looked at it this week, and, and there's probably not a lot of historical evidence for that. Now, listen, you can go to Jerusalem, and you can go on a tour, and you can go to a place. I saw pictures of it. And they say, look, there it is, the eye of the needle. But there's no proof that that ever existed during Jesus' time. The reason I'm telling you this is because I want us to really understand what Jesus is saying here. Because it sounds really good, but it's probably not the true situation. Probably what we see here is Jesus is, is really using hyperbole. He's, he's, being ex- he's, he's basically exaggerating something. So we're looking at it going, what in the world? What do you mean? There was actually a saying at the time in Persia about the same idea that said it, it's, it's like an elephant going through the eye of a needle. This is like the Jewish version of this because camels were the biggest animal that most Jewish people ever saw. And so how do we know this? Well, look at their response. Look at the response of the disciples when they hear this because here's the thing. Maybe a camel could maybe make it through there, but they're going, wait a minute, Jesus. This doesn't make any sense to us. So let's, let's go to, to verse 25. It says, after Jesus says this, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? Then Jesus looked at them intently. Okay, I like that. I like how we get that, that insight. Jesus is serious here. He's like, listen, hear me, hear me. Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Hear me. I I mean this with all the love I can muster, and I I say it about me. It is probably fairly impossible for us to be the followers of Jesus without the help of Jesus. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that. We need him to help us to do the impossible. And he can do it. He can do it. And he can work it in you and me. Okay? And that's so important that we understand. So now, as we kind of finish this part of the story, Peter speaks up. Peter, uh, in, in Matthew 19, 27, he says basically what everybody else is thinking, which is why I like Peter so much. And so this is what it says. So Peter, after this, is, is Peter says to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Now you think, well, wait a minute. What's he talking about here? Remember remember back in Matthew 4? They gave up family. They gave up boats. They gave up nets. They gave up security. They gave up money. They gave up everything to follow him. Now here's what's great about this. Listen, I want to change hopefully some of your opinions of who Jesus really is in this moment. Because some of us hear that and we want to go, maybe, maybe, you know, as we're looking at it going, well, that's kind of a a, a rude thing to say, Peter. That's not a very spiritual thing to say. Why would you ask Jesus that? Your, Your response would be, well, Jesus, even if we get nothing, we will follow you. I like that Peter's kind of human here. I like that he basically just says, what are we going to get out of it? Listen to Jesus' response, starting with verse number 28. Jesus replied. Now listen, what's not here is Jesus replied angrily, or Jesus replied disappointedly, or Jesus replied upset, or Jesus said, oh, Peter, how could you? Because listen, he does that in other times. So it's not like Jesus is afraid to do that. But listen to what Jesus says. I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon its glorious throne, you have been my followers, not fans, my followers 
will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the tribe of Israel. And look at 29. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Listen, Jesus, our God, is a rewarder. We've talked about this before. You cannot give God. You can try as hard as you want. You're never going to give enough where, where God says, wow, you know, I'm really, I, I, can't, I can't give anymore. You see, when we follow Jesus, there is a reward there. And I, I, I would, I, why wouldn't I want to share that with you? Jesus doesn't get mad at Peter. It's like Jesus goes, you want to know what's coming? Oh, <laughs> let me tell you what's coming. For those of you that give up things, for those of you that put things aside, for those of you who follow me hundred times more. That's awesome. And then he says, oh, and, oh, just so you know, and, and eternal life too. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we always think about that. It's like, Jesus, we, 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 we thank you for, for, for giving us eternal life. Yes, 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 awesome, awesome. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's part of it, but here's a lot more that I'm going to do for you. I like that. I love that we have that moment between an honest moment between a disciple and, and, or a follower of Jesus and Jesus. Where he says, listen, listen, I know what you've given up. You see, that's the thing sometimes we forget. We think that somehow Jesus has forgotten. Jesus hadn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten what you did to become a follower of him, and sometimes what we have to give up. So let's look at this. Let's kind of bring this to a close. We need to leave, this is point number three, we need to leave the comforts of fandom and join the courageous followers of Jesus. Okay? Now, how do we do that? How, how, do, we, how do we leave fandom for the kingdom, basically? Okay? It, 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 we're going to look at three differences. Okay? Now, in these three differences, as we look at these things and as we allow the Holy Spirit to kind of illuminate in our hearts, these are things that we need to look at. These are guideposts. These are things, okay, which am I? Because basically the first question is, are you a fan or are you a follower? These questions are specifically, hopefully designed to help us figure that out so that we know for ourselves what the situation is. So here it is. Three differences between followers and fans. Number one, followers choose to let go while fans choose to hold on. You look at the main huge difference in a lot of ways between the rich young ruler and the disciples. And the disciples, when they were confronted by Jesus and basically said, hey, you have a choice to make. You can be a follower or you can be a fan. They let it all go. They did it immediately. They didn't hold on to everything. Why did the rich man go away sad? Because he was holding on to things. He was refusing to let go. In his case, it was money. It was possessions. But you know what? It's just pretty much idol worship. And you can't follow Jesus and follow something else. You can't go down I-25, what's I-25 go? North? You can't go down I-25 North and at the same time go down I-25 South. It's impossible. 
Jesus said you can't serve two masters. you got to serve one and despise the other. But we want to do that. That's what fans do. They basically want to say, Jesus, I, I, I like the things you say. I want to kind of follow you a little bit, but I don't want to let go of these things. I want to hold on to them. And sometimes those things can be good things. Sometimes they can be some really, really bad things. Like I've met people in my life, I know this is, I've been this way at times, where in a lot of ways, hear me here, I haven't been following Jesus the way I should because I don't want to let go of some anger and some bitterness that's in my life. And Jesus said, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. You know what's interesting about this? Listen, this is in your notes. Fans are not willing to let go of things that they're going to eventually have to let go of anyway. Isn't that interesting? We want to hold on. And it's like, you know what? You can only hold on for so long, but there is going to be a day where you're going to have to release, whether you like it or not. So we can do it now or we can do it later. Jesus is calling us to do it now. He's calling us to be followers of him and say, you know what? I will let go of these things that keep me from being a follower. Number two, number two, followers do what they are told while fans do what they want. You say, but Aaron, you've been talking a lot about obedience the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I kind of have because it's kind of majorly important. But you know what? That's what fans do. Listen, hear me here. You know what fans can do? Fans can leave in the middle of the game. Things aren't going well. Listen, listen, today as you're watching the Super Bowl, maybe, maybe there's a team that you want to win or not win or whatever, and basically the opposite is happening. You know what you can do as a fan? Click. I'm out. I'm going to play a video game, or I'm going to go read a book, or I'm going to do something else, or I'm going to go see what they have for dinner. Whatever. You can do that as a fan. But you know what? Followers can't check out. Let me help you with this. Is this understanding? Because again, I think it makes sense. The difference between a follower and a fan is a follower is like I talked about the parade. You are actually on the team. You know what happens? Hear me. You know what happens if a player leaves the team before the game is over? They're usually not on the team next week. Why? Because there's a difference between being a fan and a follower. There is a different level of commitment. You can't, listen, you can't follow God if you're not going to follow what he tells you to do. You've got to hear and obey. That's what followers do. You see, the fan in the rich young ruler said, you know what, I don't want to do that. That's too much. That's asking too much. I'm not willing to do it. So you know what, Jesus? You're a cool man. You know what, Jesus? Some of that stuff you say, speaking to my heart, but you know what? I'm just not willing to let go. I'm just not willing to be obedient to that call that says, follow me. A lot of us have that mentality when it comes to Jesus. Let's just be honest. Things aren't going well in our game. Things aren't taking, you know, we just threw an interception or there was just a fumble or things aren't going good. And so we kind of look at Jesus and you go, well, you know what, Jesus, I'm out. I'm out. I can't believe this is happening. I'm out. That's not what followers do. Followers can't because they're on the team. 
there's a deeper level of commitment. There's a deeper level of obedience. We have to understand that. Number three, followers make a difference while fans just make some noise. Fans just make noise. You know what I found? I, I, this, this blew me out of the water. I'm sure some of you feel the exact same way. I discovered something very tragic uh, when, it started, when sports started back last summer or whenever. Yeah, I, Josh, you know what I'm talking about. This, this blew me out of the water. I could not believe that they had the audacity to do this. You know what they did? They played games without the fans in the stands. How dare they? How dare they? How dare they? And you know what? They went even one step further. They said, hey, if you pay us a little bit of money, we'll put a cardboard cutout of you watching your team. How, how could they think? How could they believe that they could play the game without me in the fan? I'm a fan. How dare they? You know what they did? They didn't even need my noise. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, they need the crowd noise. They need to get pumped up. No, they don't. They pumped it to the speakers. I can't even watch a game on TV nowadays because I have the fake crowd noise. It's like, I'd rather just have it be quiet. But that's what they do. It's a bunch of noise. <laughs> Listen, if you don't know this about me, you're going to know right now. This afternoon when we watch the game, I am going to make some noise. And it's going to be embarrassing for me because I'm weird and I make noise. And you know what I'll do? I'll yell at the television. I'll yell, I'll tackle him, get him. What are you doing? I'll say stuff like that. Because obviously they can hear me. Obviously the, the players are like, hey, listen, man, there's this nut in uh, you know, Broomfield, Colorado that's telling us to tackle the guy. And really, I hadn't thought about that yet. So I'm probably going to go ahead and do that now. And I will. And my wife looks at me and she goes, oh, Lord Jesus, why, why? But I'll make a bunch of noise. But you know what? Listen, hear me, hear me, hear me. But I'm not making a lick of difference. Not at all. Why? Because I'm just a fan. I'm not on the team. I'm not a part of the action. I'm not doing what is necessary to influence the game. Listen, hear me here. There's a lot of Christians that make a lot of noise, but they don't do anything for God. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. In fact, sometimes, not all the time, the people who make the most noise do the least for Jesus. Maybe it's time that we stopped making noise and started getting into the game where we could actually be a part of what's going on. Because listen, every single one of us has been invited to get in the parade. Every single one of us has been invited to get a part of what God is doing in our lives and in our church and in our community. But you know what? If we're just a fan of Jesus, it's just not really on the priority board. It just isn't. You see, here's the thing. I can choose today to watch the Super Bowl or not. But hear me here, Patrick Mahomes can't. He's playing. Tom Brady, on the other side, can't. He's playing. It's not going to matter how much I yell or scream or kick. What's going to matter is how those guys play. 
And here's what's awesome, is as a follower of Jesus, all of us have been called to make a difference in the game that God has called us to. But listen, you're not going to make a difference by just sitting on the sidelines and yelling at those that are playing. Yelling at Jesus for not doing it the way you think it should be done. And we're all guilty of that at times. But you know what I found? Listen, I played sports growing up. You have a really hard time being a fan and a participant at the same time. You get it? When I was in high school and I went down to field a ground ball, I was not thinking as a fan. I was thinking, what do I need to do to get this person out? What do I need to do to accomplish the mission that I have in this moment? I wasn't thinking, well, you know, I wonder what this other team's doing, or I wonder, wonder, wonder what the right fielder's doing right now. Listen, if I did that, the ground ball would probably go right between my legs. God has called us to be followers. Which are you? Are you a fan? Are you a follower? The worship team wants to come up. We're going to close. Listen, this, this issue has been around long before Facebook and Instagram and football and baseball or whatever sport. This, fans, this, this thing's been going on for a long time. We, we, we see it in, in the life of some of the disciples. We see it in the life of the rich young ruler where, where there was this, you know, hey, I like the things of Jesus. But at the same time, I'm not sure if I really want to follow. Jesus has called us to be followers. Hear, hear me, because I, I know this is going to sound a little harsh, and I don't mean it as harsh, but I, I just think you need to hear it, okay? Jesus doesn't need fans. He doesn't. He desires followers. He didn't call the disciples, hey, listen, come be a fan of me. He didn't say the rewards are going to come to those who think that Jesus said some kind of nice things at times. It's the people that are willing to let go. It's the people that are willing to be obedient in all things. It's the people that are willing to be actively involved in what God is doing. You see, because here's the thing. If we're not doing those things, we're probably a fan. We probably really, really like Jesus a lot. And that's great. It's good to like Jesus. I like Jesus. I do. But God's called me to be a follower. He called me to something deeper. And he's called every single one of us to the same thing. You know what's interesting is, is as, as we kind of close all this, I was, I was kind of looking at this, trying how to figure out how to bring all this to a conclusion. Because, because I truly believe that, that, that when we become true followers of him, some really great things can take place in our world and in our life and our families and our communities. But a lot of times we, we want those things to happen as fans of Jesus instead of followers of Jesus. And you start and you think about, you look at the Gospels, and you begin to, to, to kind of put all the pieces together. You know, we, we have stories where Jesus fed thousands of people, right? Okay? You know, and they don't even number the, 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 the women and children. We, we think maybe he, at certain moments he's, he might have fed 15,000 people. He preached and taught 
to thousands of people throughout his ministry. Okay? He healed hundreds. There's times, you know, there, there's specific times where we go, okay, this person got healed and that's great. And then there's just, there's just verses where it's like, and Jesus just healed everybody. Thousands of people. Tens of thousands of people. Jesus touched in some way, shape, or form in his life. And then Jesus dies on the cross, rises again. Paul records that 500 people see him after the resurrection. So look at it. We're, we're talking about tens of thousands of people. And yet on the day of Pentecost, under the command of Jesus, there's 120. 120. Where's all the other 10,000s? Where are they? Now, now, maybe some of them have some really good excuses. I don't know. I'm not trying to throw rocks at anybody. But the bottom line, out of tens of thousands, 120 show up. You know what? There is a lot of fans of Jesus. There's a lot of people that will look at Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus? I haven't eaten in a while. I'm a little hungry. Can I have a little fish, a little bread? There's a lot of people that say, you know what, Jesus, I got some issues here in my body. Can you give me some healing? And you know what's so awesome about Jesus? He heals them and he provided for them, knowing where their hearts were. But he had 120 followers. Now listen, don't be feeling sorry for Jesus, okay? Don't be saying, oh wow, Jesus, your ministry wasn't that great. Oh wow, Jesus, this wasn't very good. Listen. He took 120 followers and he changed the world. He doesn't need fans, but he'll use followers and he'll change everything with them. You want your life to be different? You want to change your family, your home, your job, your church, your community? Stop being just a fan of Jesus and have the courage to be a follower of him and watch him work because it'll blow your mind. 120 men and women. And listen, <laughs> he didn't need that many, but he used them because that's how many was willing. And if you're willing, God will use you to do awesome, great, mighty things. But it's going to take some courage in our world today. It's going to take some courage to say no to the things of this world and yes to the things of God because a lot of times they're diametrically opposed but remember what he said. When you give it up, you're going to get so much more. And eternal life on top of it all. So Father, we come to you this morning with a simple question that we need to have answered in our hearts and in our lives. Father, are we a follower of you or are we a fan of you? Are we actively engaged in the game that you have placed us in? Or are we simply noise that is just shouting and telling others what to do? Where are we, Father? Because we desire to be used by you. We desire to be a follower of you that goes after you and obeys you. Here's your voice that lets go of the things of the world and embraces the things of you. God, we want to be difference makers in our world. We want to imitate you and so that others can see us imitating you and they begin to imitate you as well. 
because they're watching us. Father, all these things are what followers are and what followers do. But unfortunately for some of us, we are not true followers, we're fans. We've, we've bought into the lie of our world today that says to follow somebody, it just means you like things every once in a while. It just means you check their feed every once in a while just to kind of see what's going on. A follower leaves it all and follows with their whole heart, with their whole mind, with their whole strength, with everything in them. And that is the kind of people that you have called us to be, but we need your help to do it. And it seems impossible. How can we do that? How can we let go of these things? And Jesus, you already told us, with man it's impossible, but with you nothing is impossible. And you can change our world when we're willing to follow you in that way. So Father, no matter where we're at, whether we're here or we're someplace else or online, Father, we need that answered in our hearts. Am I a follower or am I a fan? And if we are followers, Father, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your forgiveness and we thank you for helping us see what you've really called us to be so that we can make some changes in our hearts and in our lives with your help. So God, if we're fans right now, God, I pray that you would help us to identify areas in our heart and our lives that are making us a follower. And so we become more, or, or, that are making us like a fan and more like a follower of you. Change us, mold us, shape us, Father. We need you to do this because we want to make a difference in our world, in our life, in our society, in our church, in our school, in our job, in every area our life touches. God, you want to bring a miraculous miracle into those areas. Help us to follow you like that. You're so good. And we love you so much. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a closing chorus.
I thank you that you called us to be your followers, not your fans. You see, a follower, there's a closeness that comes being a follower of Jesus. Fans can stay at a distance. Followers really can. And so, Jesus, I thank you that you have desired us to come close to you and follow you in this way. And you called us all. You called tax collectors and fishermen. You tried to call a rich young ruler. You called us all. It's now up to us to accept that call or to say, you know what? Jesus, you're great. But I got some other stuff that I'm following instead. God, help us to follow you in every area, every situation, every circumstance of our lives. Because that's what you called us to be. Followers of you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you guys so much for being here. Those that are online, we love you, we miss you. We hope we see you really, really soon. Hope you guys have a great week. God bless you. We'll see you soon.